Looking for Greek apparel that's simple, chic, and incognito? Need a gift for your favorite MPHC member? Crossing Greek Apparel can help you or them represent sororities or fraternities without breaking any rules. Save 15% on your next purchase with code SHE2, 2 as in T-O-O. Hey, y'all. We are Bizak. And we're blackity black. Blackity black, 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 black. It's Pokemon. <laughs> Yay. Episode 71, baby. Ooh, child. It's already been a long ass one. And we halfway through this shit, which is crazy because I was like, damn, it's about to be in March. Anyway, how are you, ma'am? I am good. School has started again. Um, I only have four classes left and I am mm-hmm. taking two this semester. Period. So we're going to see how this goes. Um, but so far, so good. No exams. They're just project courses. Um, one is the project I have to do myself and the other is a group project. And I feel like the group project is going to be the one that that pushed me off the off the ledge. But mm-hmm. so far, so good. How about yourself? Um, Same. Because it's like these classes, like a blend of individual projects and group projects. And I'm like, can we just do like one or the other? And this this whole back and forth ping pong shit, ain't it? Um, but yes, I am taking two classes this semester. Um, I'm fed up, actually, because it's like. A lot of the assignments, they're like, oh, you can just submit them. The last day to submit is pretty much like the last week of the semester. So knowing me, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to start early and bang out some, you know, some of the assignments and stuff I have not done. So I need to catch up because April will be here soon and I'm going to lose my hairline if I wait that long <laughs> to submit like 50, 11 assignments. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm starting to work ahead in my classes as well because they're like online. Um, But like the teacher has posted everything for the semester. Um, Week one, we have five assignments due. I missed two. Like I was late on two. They were due. um, They were due Sunday and I did them on Monday. I just didn't have the energy to do them. Um, mm-hmm. But now I'm like, okay, well, now that I see that we got three, four, five assignments due in a week, I've already started working on this week's stuff and submitted one early. And so just trying to stay ahead. But I'm like, I'm with you. Like, if I could just finish the course early, then maybe that's the route that I need to do and just hurry up and get it over with versus trying to drag it along because it's not really any lectures per se mm-hmm. so no just trying to get my bearings back together mm-hmm. facts because struggling but we got it we'll be okay yeah somebody said something the other day when i went to zumba and i said i'm gonna start like adding that to like my repertoire of sayings. So <laughs> one of the ladies was complaining we was leaving uh, Zumba and she was like, like, you know, talking about how like hard it was that day. And we was doing all these crazy moves. And she was like, you know, of course, like kind of complaining. And then she said, 
but I'm not complaining because I keep coming back. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like she's like, I'm just making a statement on how mm-hmm. I feel right now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be right back here on Wednesday, so it don't even it don't even matter. I'm not even really really complaining because I'm coming right back. Right. You can acknowledge your feelings in the moment and then it's understood that you are going to keep going. <laughs> it's okay. Like, that's my sense right now on grad school. And I think I kind of feel more antsy because I only have four classes left. So I'm mm-hmm. like, it's like you want to hurry up and get this over with. But also it's like, I don't want to take on too much. And then I fail and then I'm stretching it out even longer. So. But no, it's Gucci. It's Gucci, baby. <sighs> it's Gucci. Okay, ma'am. Um, any STEM news for us? No STEM news. Um, it's been crazy here in Michigan. Um, with the Michigan State shooting last night, mm-hmm. um, which was wild because I kind of like fell asleep and then I woke up and you know Richard's like, "Oh my god, like it's a shooting." Uh, active shooter at Michigan State and I'm like what like you know how you kind of drowsy you never Mm -hmm. expect something so close to like your house or like people you know so Mm -hmm. it was kind of like a off thing and then to just find out that one of the students was a black girl who wanted to be a doctor so just kind of dealing with that and I guess my little nugget for anyone listening is don't let anyone tell you how you should grieve or process trauma. Um, a few years ago, I remember kind of like someone inboxing us when like a shooting or something happened. They were like, well, why haven't you made a statement and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And it kind of pressured us to say something. And it's not like we didn't want to say something, but like now that I've grown as a person kind of like more and kind of learn more about feelings and processing and psychology and things of that nature, everyone processes things different, you know, and you got to take care of your own mental. So Mm -hmm. if you need to take a break, if you need to zone out, if you, you know, I know for me, I'm a person when feelings get high and things is pressure, I'm an avoider. Mm-hmm. I I can have a huge deadline at work and I just start playing games on my phone. <laughs> it's going to get done, but it's just how my brain needs to like completely let go of a situation and then come back to it. So, yeah, that's my piece on that. But we can roll. Uh, no, I, I actually cried last night. Um, Cause it was just like, again, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so sad and sickening and all these other negative emotions. Like, I was like, bro, we are only in February. And I don't know the total number of shootings that we've had this mm-hmm. year, but it's, it's already sky fucking high. Of course, we always want it to be zero, but of course this, this is the United States. So it's already high as shit. Um, and yeah, no, I had to cry that shit out last night because it was just like, <sighs> I just hate people <laughs> and uh, sent up a prayer for, you know, the families who were affected and, you know, 
the students and faculty who were, you know, scared out of their fucking minds, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no. It's like, there was already kind of... so much anxiety around. And granted, this is not the conversation for the episode. And maybe mm-hmm. we have a separate episode about it. But it's just so much drama and, like, anxiety just around being a student. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like exams and paying attention and having homework and things of that nature. And I think it's wild that as we continue to move throughout life, like this active shooter shit has like become like a thing that kids have to take on. Even like young adults, like at my job, we reviewed safety tailboards before we have meetings of four people or more. And mm-hmm. active shooter is something that we evaluate in like in a regular like not even like a staff meeting but like oh we're having a committee meeting about a project and we have to talk about this like this is crazy and it's just asinine that it's like we're still having this conversation mm-hmm. yeah all this shit ghetto so yeah. but like you said different episode possibly <laughs> but yeah nah if i agree like some people don't want to talk about it. Some people are do need to talk about it just to get off their chest and everything. So just let people process how they process. Yeah. Child. But we're going to roll into our conversation. We're going to pick it up. Hopefully it helps you all feel a little better and pick it up. But let's roll. You ready? Yep. Okay. So... The thing that popped into my head, because, you know, I always get these random thoughts. And most of the time, that's where the episodes come from is because Elena cannot get her brain together. Um, Don't shake your head. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say shit. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like you have all these like trendy words and things and all this other stuff. And I wanted to have a conversation on advocacy around Mm -hmm. STEM advocacy, you know, racial, Black stem advocacy black girl advocacy um so like do you consider yourself to be a stem advocate yes um no go ahead in the beginning um it was definitely more of oh you're black and female and you're in the engineering curriculum go forth you know (laughs) and spread good vibes for us but now that i'm older It's definitely, I don't think it should be this way, but you have to advocate because you're frustrated with the current state of things, right? So you got to speak the fuck up to see the change that you want to see. You know what I mean? So I'm always like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll talk at this thing or, oh, I'll do such and such like extracurricular bullshit or serve on committees and things like that, because it's like, you know, just to be that voice, you know, and advocate for these, you know, black women, these black males, whatever, and just show people like, bitch, we out here. We know what the fuck we talking about. You just got to listen. So. Yeah. So like, I'm with you, I think in the beginning, like, especially with like when I was a student, I kind of was just kind of like going with the flow. Like you pay attention to stuff and you realize, oh, when you do like intern orientation, like, oh, it's like 
one other black person or person of color or whatever it may be. And then like, as you start to work, you're like, okay, so like that didn't change. And then you start to like, look for like mentors and you start to see, like, it's not to say you can't have a mentor that's not a black person or not a woman or a person of color in general, but it's like, you kind of look for a commonality to kind of start the relationship and it gets harder when you don't see that reflected in an organization. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like you, like that kind of like sparked my real hoorah on kind of becoming an advocate (laughs) at work. Not the hoorah. Yeah, like... Like, I feel like I put, give me the fatigues and let me grab a bag because we about to start marching, homie. Um, So like at work, my way of advocating is like not only um, like expressing myself during meetings and making sure I'm speaking up and being kind of like that voice for diverse populations, especially because we serve um, like the public at my job, but Mm -hmm. also like... Like I've made it a habit, I guess I would say, of like putting in or making sure my group has interns so that we can um, select, you know, students of marginalized areas to kind of have those opportunities to grow their career, grow their resume, whether they stay at our company or not, Um, as well as like, I'm this year the chair of the minority ERG. Mm-hmm. So I've been saying, all year, like, it's only been a month and I feel like I've been flipping tables for the past <laughs> six weeks. I done, I done got on like pretty much everybody knows, but it's kind of to better them. Mm-hmm. Um. So like, how do you advocate at work? Um. Would you so, feel like you advocate at work? Yeah, I actually had to think about a lot of different things because I, I do a lot of different things at work. So one role I have is I'm a ethics advisor um, at my employer. So that means that pretty much I advocate for people doing the right thing, quote unquote. So if they see something, if they hear something that isn't in alignment with our um, our standards, and pretty much they can come to me or they can go to a different ethics advisor, their management, whoever, and speak up. So I pretty much use that as a way because I, I give um, ethics trainings every month um, to new employees or employees who just need to you know renew their uh, status in terms of training. Um, so just let them know, like, hey, you know, speak up, even if you're uncertain, if you're you know, just like, ah, uh, you know, is it my place? It is your place. Speak up. Because we would rather you speak up and it be nothing than, you know, you just sit there and, and it just marinates and boils over and, and everything just goes to shit. Um, so I definitely say that to women and minorities a lot. Like, you know, I've been there. I've had to report people. It was very uncomfortable, but I'm here for you. I got you. Um, another thing I do is I'm a mentor officially um i've been mentoring this guy for since he started um so that was he's been at the company for it should be a year now or something like that or coming up on a year or whatever um 
So just having those conversations with him, you know, like trying to understand his goals and things like that and advocating, saying, <laughs> speak up for what you want early, you know, even if you get a no, even if you're on like, uh, you know, what about people's feelings and things like that? There's still a way to be respectful and um, be aggressive about the things that you want. And finally, um, I'm part of the uh, Black ERG ERG is employee resource group at my job as well. So right now I'm trying to make time for this Black History event because they need someone to um, lead the event, talk about, you know, uh, what do you want us to talk about? It's a video called Color Blind or Color Brave. I don't know what it is. I haven't watched it, but I'm I'm trying to fit it into my schedule because our um, chat or our lead director, um, can't make it so it's it's just stepping in um and, and trying to make time especially for events like these where it's like you know they they need representation so uh, then all that all that shit to say is instead of being in my house 24 7 i try to be outside and advocate for the black folk yeah no that, like I think that's important. Like the gist of the conversation is there's so many ways you can advocate. And we hear this word thrown around so much, especially, you know, everyone on social media are, you know, trying to say, oh, I'm an advocate for this or, you know, use it as like their buzzword. But it's like, what does that mean? What does that mm-hmm. look like? Like, what are the options? Like, it's such a variety. So like, we both kind of talked about what we did um, at work as being like an advocate. And you know, well, Kayla knows, and some of you know from our previous episodes, like I serve as an advisor for like Nesby for the region board. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to region four. Um, oh, and- solid. <laughs> Uh, and making sure like those students get the support that they need um, and also kind of like bridging that gap. So within my organization, I push them to support those conferences. Like if you say you want people of color, not, you know, just black people, like you need to make sure you're recruiting from the Nesby's, the ships. Are you going to suite? Are you going to ACES? Are you supporting those students with scholarships? Are you talking to them on campuses? So like. I know you're in Utah now. Are you mm-hmm. still able to kind of advocate outside of work? Like we have She Too, but like outside of She Too, like like what are you doing or what do you feel like you're doing to kind of contribute to, you know, Black girls and STEM? So um, I have a um, security, uh, what is it? Information security office role at Berkeley. So being a black female, I think I'm the only one actually, at least in our our help desk role. So just showing up for that and just being like, okay, like here's some, you know, opportunities, you know, here's where I can, you know, come in and talk with, you know, leadership and just listen and show my face um, just as a start. Also, I am a part of Cybersity. And we just had our um, group mentor meeting today. Uh, I I fucked that up. I'm sorry. (laughs) We have a mentor and we're all in a group. We share the same mentor. Um, So we have meetings, uh, I think, every three weeks or something like that. And we just had our first one today. 
So showing up for that and what's great is um, we have our mentor and then we have we're all mentees and it's four black women. So we're all, you know, just keep keying together and stuff and really giving each other advice um, about how to succeed in our careers or why we're even doing this in the first place. Um, so I think for me, it's really just talking about those opportunities, even if people can't join right then and there or they're, you know, they got a lot of other things going on. It's still advocating that this is something that you can't do, you mm-hmm. know, Um even if it's in like a different capacity, it's kind of like, hey, this thing exists, you know, because it's been a lot of shit that I didn't know existed mm. until I started, you know, just poking my nose around different things or someone will tell me about something. And I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I go in there and then they'll ask me once I'm in that thing, whatever it is, whether it's a group or a job role, whatever. They're like, oh, who do you know? Or, you know, can you talk to such and such about this? You know, things like that. So yeah, it, it kind of all comes together. It's just you got to be willing to um, kind of like network a little bit and look around and try something new, even if you don't know what the fuck is going on. Like me and this help desk role in the beginning, I was like, I've never done this shit, but I've done that DTE job where people were calling me about their power getting shut off and shit. So it's it's just different ways. So, yeah. Okay, so we talked about like our organization and like outside of it. So I want to try this activity and we're going to like do some deep diving, right? (laughs) So I was like, I was diving. (laughs) Right. She's uh, she's, uh, swimming uh, (laughs) via camera. Um, So as we deep dive, I want to talk about how can people advocate on these various levels? Like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. So the first one is as a student. So like a student on campus, you know, even if you're like a virtual student, satellite student, like what what would you say are like the top two things you think a student could do to advocate for Black women in STEM? Um, shit, what we did at Wayne State, um, just being part of Nesby. And not just being a part of Nesby saying like I'm a member, woo, but contributing to those those conversations we were having with uh the dean and all that in terms of like getting funding or why this chapter needs this type of equipment or this type of funding to get to this, you know, convention, whatever, X, Y, and Z. So it, you may feel that you have a small voice, but definitely small voices together, you know, get loud as fuck, you know. Um and and just really being 10 toes the fuck down with everybody else when it's like, okay, we are doing this thing for this reason. Everybody hold their ground, you know? Um, another thing that you can do as a student is when they have those uh, workshops where you're, you're talking to different professors or different deans or even the provost or whatever, going to those events. And then if you can get in a question or, voice of concern that's always dope because then you're literally face to face with the people that can make those or make those decisions or have an impact on the changes that you would like to see so i would say my first one would be to be a dope student Mm -hmm. so all the things you said but to do your best and try your hardest not (laughs) 
I, I couldn't do that shit but yeah that's I, why I, I said do your saying. best I didn't yeah. say do the best <laughs> do your best right. just because like it's so like it sounds so cliche or cheesy but people can relate to like personal stories a lot of times especially white people versus mm-hmm. you you could have all the facts the statistics and everything and it'll be like no, but for them just kind of interacting kind of like with you and mm-hmm. seeing like you try, even if you struggle and you like try, you go to office hours and things like that. You never know how you're impacting that person. Like mm-hmm. I had a professor, shout out to Dr. Dockerin. Like she was like a professor from like Turkey. And when I say I was struggling in her class, but like I literally sent her email like, I could come to office hours and get help. And then we just started having like our own sessions out of office hours. Like I, she, she was a professor, but she came, became my personal tutor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you never know how that probably impacted how she may see um, people of color, especially black women. And it's not to say you have to little yourself or open yourself up to trauma or these situations to kind of like get, to be seen as a human, as a person, but Mm -hmm. more so of kind of being your natural self, but being your best self and not being afraid to like stand solid. Like, like you said, Mm -hmm. um, and no, my second thing, I definitely would go with you. I'm a firm believer in having a voice. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my favorite saying, I literally just turned this in on my homework because we had this assignment. We had to write like a personal statement. And then it was like, what's your favorite quote? And the quote, every time I get a job, I print this quote out and I hang it up in like my cube. And it's a quote by Shirley Chisholm. And it says like, um, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Yeah. I've been taking up space. If you feel like, you know, you're in, you know, a black physicians group, you're in, you know, whatever group, you know, that provides you support and you feel like they aren't properly funded or if you need to attend a conference, you're trying to do research like you yell it from the mountaintops. And if don't nobody hear you, then you go to somebody else and you go Mm -hmm. to somebody else and you don't take no for an answer because eventually somebody's going to tell you yes, or they're going to help you get a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. the answer that you're looking for is not necessarily an automatic yes, is how do I get closer to where I'm trying to be? Mm-hmm. The next- yeah, that's, that's, I think that's another thing too. Like when we were actually having this conversation this morning um, in my, uh, group session um with our mentor um this other black woman was saying you have to show up you know because she was saying black women don't like playing politics and blah 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 and i'm like yeah because i like just being in my house but she was like unfortunately that's how it goes you know and you gotta speak up you gotta show out you gotta be out there and like you said you gotta take up space in any way that you can um and understand when it's time to like switch strategies and go from person to person if you have to or you know like switch up the approach whatever and blah 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 but yeah it's it's definitely a trials and tribulations type of thing 
it does it, it might not be super hard you know but depending depending on what it is but yeah it's a little finessery it could be time consuming mm-hmm. so the next one is how can you advocate as an intern or a co-op student in the workplace when they um do those uh surveys sometimes they'll do like one oh like in the middle and then they'll do another one at the end to like understand like you know how how why you performed the way you did or what would you, what you wish was different you know during the internship or whatever fill those things out because you're helping the next person behind you have hopefully a better experience than you did even if your shit was fucking fantastic you know, still advocating for the next student behind you is always a good thing to do, you know, because it just makes a better program. It hopefully leads to more students like you and, and others, you know, getting hired, you know, full time and shit like that later down the line. Because um, I think sometimes students are like, oh, I don't want to say anything because I mean, oh, I was just there for like two, three months or some shit. And it's like you you have something you can add, you know, find find some shit. You know, like the snacks were bad. I don't know, <laughs> but something on that fucking survey. So it just gives you good practice too for when you, you know, move up in the corporate world and shit, you know? So that's what I would do. My piece for interns or co-ops is to get involved. Um, when you are an intern or a co-op, a, a lot of organizations they look at you as a full-time employee. So you can mm-hmm. join ERGs, you can network and things of that nature. Um, a lot of my opportunities when I was an intern or a co-op was, oh, I worked at one place, but like I talked to a person, I talked to somebody else. So when I came back for my next rotation, I was put in like that group because mm-hmm. they literally... These organizations, sometimes they're assigned interns or co-ops, and sometimes it's like a draft. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. want to be at the top of the draft. Like, you mm-hmm. want to fight over you. <laughs> you know, it kind of gives you leverage. You can ask for more. But also, what Kayla was saying is, even with, like, the surveys and stuff, just from networking allows you to open up, like, you may get a project, you know, your regular project you're working on, but then like another group may ask you to work on something. Now you have better exposure, but also within those conversations, you can slip those things in. So when also as like a intern or co-op, I bridge that to like the student life. Mm -hmm. So like my supervisors at the time or managers knew like, oh, I was a part of, you know, Nesby. And then during the year, our Nesby chapter hosted like a networking event or recruiting. I would reach back out to those supervisors and say, hey, do you mind coming to speak or Mm -hmm. um, to talk? So it kind of helps like feed into another area Mm -hmm. when you perform well, but also, you know, you're doing them a favor, actually, for you're working as cheap labor. Cheap as hell. So yeah, <laughs> you, you might as well ask for something in exchange. Mm-hmm. Period. Entry level. <laughs> and I was thinking about this like last week. I was like, "Am I considered mid level now?" You, it's like you in that funny year because it's like you're not at like ten years, but like you're not at like two. Like you know stuff. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not senior level, but I'm also not, I don't think I'm at mid just yet. You know what I mean? But I'm definitely not entry. Like, bitch, I've been doing this for, uh, we going on what, seven years now? So I'm like, nah, <laughs> I don't think I'm, uh, I'm entry. But anyway, back to your question. Uh, entry level. I would say uh, this is what I did a lot um, when I got my full-time position. I was advocating for, you know, the Brodies back at the Nesby chapter. <laughs> like, look, we need new people. I got you. They down the lodge. <laughs> Go and get them. I'm like, I think we also, uh, it wasn't FRC. It was, because uh, I'm trying to align in with the, the Nesby events that we were having at the time or whatever but pretty much i was like telling my employer at the time look you have so many people of color that literally work down the freeway from y'all y'all just need to go down there and get to them like i can tell you the events that are showing up you can definitely reach out to the college of engineering and schedule a workshop to talk about you know the corporation and what we do and blah 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 and recruit people that way um, and so that's how I convinced them to go to convention for the first time. They showed up for uh or they sponsored 45. They sponsored the event, and I think they also showed up at the career fair as well. I think. Um, so yeah, no, it was just like listen, I'm trying to put as many people as I can on, you know. We're trying to get this bag. So yeah. I think the same. I think I would do the same thing as entry level. Um, one thing I did as an entry level employee, though, every time I learned about some initiative or something that my company offered, I was definitely telling everybody mm-hmm. else, like, oh, are we hiring? I bet. Let me go and tell them we oh, go apply and you can add me as a reference or mm-hmm. like, oh, we got scholarships. I'm going to let me put together email to tell the homies. And I think that's the best thing is like entry level is kind of like you're like that. You're like the the bracket piece between the student mm-hmm. and like the, the career pipeline. So it's kind of like you kind of got to control the valves like yeah, you right, just got to funnel them through. Like, <laughs> right. Come on through. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like a mesh of area because I'm like mid-level supervisor slash manager because it depends on, you know, how your organization is structured. Mm -hmm. But how do you advocate on those levels? Like, what does that look like in your eyes? Um, In terms of uh, a manager or supervisor, because they, they hear about opportunities all the time. I mean, they're usually the first ones to hear about opportunities and then they're the ones assigning them, you know, to their um, direct reports or whatever like that. Um, advocate, av- <laughs> advocate, geez. advocate for them, your, your direct reports that way. If you know, if, first of all, you need to advocate for them. Why do I keep saying advocate? Because I'm thinking about like you're the gate between yes. what they're trying to get and what, what you can do to help them out. Anyway, you can advocate for them by one, understanding their goals and their needs from jump. 
So that way, when you hear about opportunities, you already know, like, oh, like such and such is interested in this. They we've already discussed this. I can put them on that. So that way they're 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 one, they feel grateful that you're advocating for them in that regard, and then they're getting that experience. And two, um leadership knows that, oh, you know, this who is this? Like who's this employee? You know, um, like what else can they do for us? You know, like what's their vision and blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of like you're you're just another bridge now. Like how we were just talking about, like for entry level, you're the bridge between like students, you know, graduating and then like, you know, HR and, and managers trying to get people whatever. Now you're the bridge between entry level and executive leadership and they're they're trying to meet like revenue goals and all that stuff, whatever. So you you just gotta really understand your direct reports and their goals at that point. Oof. Sorry, I'm, I'm scratching my scalp. <laughs> no, I'm definitely with you on learning your employees. One major thing that I've learned as I quote unquote approach mid-career, which is also very wild of a concept because I'm like, I feel like I'm very young. So mm-hmm. like I'm mid-career. Like I still don't be knowing stuff. Um, <laughs> but one thing I would say is definitely learning, like you said, learn what your employees want to do, but also learning their personalities and kind of what's important to them. Yeah. Because I am a huge introvert and Mm -hmm. I don't really like to talk a lot, especially if it's like new people around. So as a person like that, like I work well with supervisors or leaders. Um, When I first started in my group, they will have a conversation and then they will say, well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Because now it kind of, you kind of, I don't want to say you force me to say something, but it kind of makes it a safer space to say how you may feel about a situation or how you could contribute um, versus it kind of like a free-for-all type of Mm -hmm. situation. Um, And then I would definitely say as a supervisor, manager, or mid-career, is now you're in the the space where you can create the opportunity. Yeah. So instead of waiting for someone to be like, oh, do you want to intern? You should be speaking up and saying, I need one. I need yeah. to put in together projects or, you know, if your ERGs at your organization have a mentoring program, you should be signing up and participating in that um, or just mentoring, you know, unofficially off, you know, the uh like off the record um and i think that's the hard part to me i feel like supervisors and managers or people in mid-career they have a harder than executive leadership oh yeah like what like because it's executive leadership is more so like the vision and you know um kind of it's more i don't want to say superficial but it is you know it's it's more it's definitely top level higher level you know what i mean it's not really the nitty-gritty of the day-to-day execution like it is for like managers and shit like that because managers i feel like they have they have to take the vision given to them Mm -hmm. then they have to kind of make their sub vision based upon that for their group and equate it to the functions of whatever that group has to handle but then mm-hmm. also they have to get to know their employees, bring in new employees and cultivate 
like an experience for everyone, but their Mm -hmm. individual experiences have to make a cohesive like orchestra. And it's, it's really, it's, it's a real skill, but I think it's also like a blessing because you get so much space to kind of like do what you want, quote unquote. Like, Mm -hmm. and that was like, that's kind of, I see myself kind of like moving into that mid-career because my supervisor right now is definitely a person that's like, oh, you want to do that thing? That's cool. Like, long as I tell him up front so he don't get caught off guard on the call. (laughs) He's like, yeah, go for it. I'm like, yeah, I'm on, you know, I signed this up to do this, you know, training thing. He's like, cool, put it on the calendar. Like, Mm -hmm. no questions about it, but it's good when you use that power for good. And I think that's also the other side of it. Yeah. You have so many people who have the power and they choose not to do anything or they utilize it the wrong way. I got the power. But yeah, no, it's definitely frustrating when you have a manager who either like just sits on their hands because they don't want to rock the boat, quote unquote, or like you said, they, they haven't really like tweet the um interpersonal skills necessary in order to like you were saying like making sure that they understand to an extent you know as much as possible their employees and what they need so yeah and then the last level is executive leadership to me like that's so that's so easy you know what i mean (laughs) like like we've been saying, like you're you're dealing more with the high level, you know, vision and things like that. You typically are more concerned with like revenue and, and things like that and like the brand, you know what I mean? But to me, like that that means like you have more flexibility to drive down, like, okay, I want I envision us hiring X many POCs and minorities, whatever, blah, blah, blah by this date blah 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 you know what i mean and it's 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 kind of like you're making some shit up but at the same time if you have faith in you know the reports below you you know they should be able to get it done as long as you ain't asking for nothing crazy you know what i'm saying (laughs) like (laughs) um or unreasonable you know but um yeah, and they 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 usually are going around talking to like you know different people, you know, get different conferences and shit like that, you know, promoting the company as a good brand and all that shit. Um, so it is really just using your image to advocate as to why having hard conversations quote unquote like this matters see i'm already talking to like an executive and i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about. i'm just pulling out my ass but <laughs> there's there's so many ways that you can just go out and they be having blogs and shit too you know mm-hmm. that's another on linkedin or whatever that's another thing you can do there's so much shit you could do and probably you don't even have to write it like you, you can have you know executive assistants mm-hmm. or whatever like helping you flesh out your thoughts and, and feelings and shit like that so yeah, I I don't know. It's to me, it seems easier than the, the previous um, levels we were talking about. The two things that I think executive leaders need to learn about advocating is 
educating themselves and mm-hmm. listening to people because mm-hmm. you're so high up. And like you said, like you set the vision, you set the tone, you're setting the goals for like the entire organization. So if you have no background on the issues that these different different demographics face, mm-hmm. um, you have no idea of what the tone of your organization's you know, are under you, um, how your groups are functioning, how people are treated. Um, you could set whatever you want to, and it's not going to work. Yeah. So it's up to you to like, kind of have an education, um, on diversity and those efforts. Um, you know, and also like actual plans, like mm-hmm. I was having this conversation the other day at work and I was like, so like, what is the recruitment plan? And when I say everybody was looking at me like mm-hmm. with the cartoon, with, with blink, the what? <laughs> the blink, Cause it was like, I was like, well, I don't think it's a plan. And somebody like did the shock face at me. Like, well, my group got a plan. And I'm like, but yeah, but there's no overarching plan. If your group has one plan and that group has another plan and another group said they don't have no plan. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm an outside entity and I'm like, hey, James, what's the recruiting plan? They're like, well, it's no recruiting plan. Okay, well, then now I'm going for what there's no recruiting plan, even though Tiffany group is like, oh, yeah, well, we got this lined up. Okay, so we all not on the same page. Mm -hmm. So just kind of like having a clear vision, having education and listening, like that's so important for leadership, because if you confuse and you don't know, Everybody under you is confused. <laughs> the blind leading the fucking blind. Okay. okay. <laughs> you talk about a chaos tornado. <laughs> no, but that makes sense because um, I don't like when executive leadership just funnels things down and just expect everyone to get it, you know, because it's like, oh, yeah, no, like I've been thinking about this for weeks and it, it's just perfect chef's kiss you know and then you just send out this little memo or whatever and then that's it and it's like no we still need to execute and have a strategy like you said that makes sense for everyone and maybe you have to kind of block it and so that it makes sense for like different groups or whatever and things like that um but like you said that's that's still hashing out a plan for everyone you know what I mean because like even um because I was helping to interview um potential systems engineers um for our segment so not just our group for our entire segment and there was an understanding like okay we need to hire x amount of employees here's how many each manager should aim to hire for their groups or teams, whatever. Um, And also for interns and like new, um, new college grads and things like that. So it was already kind of laid out in terms of like, you know, numbers and shit like that. And then you could adjust up or down depending on budget and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, everyone was on the same page. And I don't know if we met our goal for last year. I haven't been participating too much in the interviews, but yeah, it w- it was still understood, you know, in that regard. I'm gonna add a thing to executive leadership too. I th- it's kind of been my thing since December when I had to move into this chair role for our ERG, and I've been saying mm-hmm. this thing, and I've been saying radical equity. Like you know, 
if you paying people bullshit. You know, if you're underpaying them, you know, if your benefits are trash, you know, if the vacation is trash, you like, you know, these things you could compare across industries. And it's not even saying, you know, trying to like trying to take on like the Googles and the Facebooks and you may not have a cafeteria where you provide free meals and then daycares around the corner and you got doctors and stuff on site. But mm-hmm. it's a simple fact of like, do you have d- like decent parental leave? See, <laughs> you know, like it, 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 it is my vagina healed before you force me to come back in here. Are you alive? My soul just left my body. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, are you providing health care coverage? And is it decent health care coverage? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, what are these things? Like, do you have a 401k? Are you matching? What mm-hmm. is your match? Are you putting into people's 401ks, whether they put in or not? Um, are you giving them stock options? Like, even though that is like a quote unquote, like business side, that also has to do with advocacy, mm-hmm. you know, especially for marginalized groups that, you know, are underpaid. Are you making sure that they're getting decent offers? Are you teaching your employees how to advocate for themselves, how they should be getting raises, um, making sure that managers aren't undercutting people? Like, mm-hmm. I know it was a big thing um, at one point where people were like, oh, it was like one group where it was like their boss didn't want to give them like a raise. So like everyone else was like moving levels and like yeah. it was like it wasn't. So it's was like, yeah, like that's a morale thing. But also, you know, you have we've seen in articles and things like that where organizations were not giving raises to people of color, not giving raises to women and making sure as an executive leader that you're exploring those things and making sure like everything is legit under you. Yeah. It still blows my mind how the maternal and paternal leaves are so trash in this country. But anyway, I... That that's advocating for quality of life. You mm-hmm. know, all the shit you just said. If people feel that they aren't achieving the quality of life that they deserve, not saying that they want, because of course we all want to be balling as fuck, you know. Because I don't want but... to <laughs> okay. But just need you know to survive take care of other family members and shit like that and in my health you know um then yeah I, that's to me that's that's just the start you know um it, i feel like that can be easily rectified you know um you're not going to satisfy everybody but you can definitely do a lot just advocating for people and making sure that at the end of the day they feel that they'll still be able to feed themselves and have a roof over their heads, you know, so. Okay. So are there any cool efforts as your organization that you all feel like, or that you feel not like you all, because it's not like it's a thousand people here. It's just us. Um, (laughs) No, like, do you think it's anything cool that your organization does that you're like, this, like this is this is some this is like this is advocacy like this is it 
right here. This is what you this is what all y'all need to be doing. Really? Um the whole ethics thing. Um and being able to one send I think it's like 130 something ethics advisors around the world and majority of them are in the United States. Um be able to send them all to Melbourne, Florida in order to talk about ethics. I ain't never heard no shit like that in the previous employers that I've worked for. And to me, that that just show how much they really value ethics and making sure that the ethics advisors have a voice, you know, because, of course, they're acting as the liaison between a lot of the employees and, you know, the segment that they're in or whatever. Um, and that they have so many options that people can use to report and they can be anonymous as well, you know, and things like that. So. I guess just really just giving people options because, you know, if you got to report somebody, typically you don't know what happens afterwards. You, it just kind of goes into a void and then you hope for the best. And then um, your manager or HR will just tell you, like, oh, it's been handled. And then you you don't know anything else. You know what I mean? It, it's just done and done. Um, so, no, I, I think that's really cool. And I really enjoy that part about um, my employer. Because it shows a lot of thought. It shows that, you know, um, of course, we're not trying to get sued. But at the same time, <laughs> you still you still want to make sure that you're retaining as many people as possible, you know, mm-hmm. that they feel safe. So. I think that's the hard part. Like my organization does some really bomb things. But I feel like we still are in a haze of. You kind of got to be like, you got to know somebody or figure out what the cool thing is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's a, I think the major problem that I've experienced is people don't really know how to execute projects. So like, for example, last year they started an energy camp in the summer Mm -hmm. and they actually paid high school students. The focus was women and people of color. Mm-hmm. to attend this energy camp and it was like i think like three or six weeks or something like that and they paid them like you would pay like an intern and this mm-hmm. is like like i said high school students but it was like they took them on field trips they took classes they learned about natural gas they learned about electricity they learned about construction but it was we found out about the program a week before the applications closed and i I found out about it because I saw someone share it on Facebook. Wow. So you, (laughs) yo. So as the ERG, we didn't even know the program existed. Right. Um, And like I said, we found out about it on Facebook and I saw like someone had like took a picture of a flyer and Mm -hmm. put it on there. So I had reached out to the person's who name was on the flyer. And I was like, is this a scam? Um, Like, is this real? And they were like, oh, yeah, it's real. And I'm like, so when was you going to tell somebody? <laughs> that's the that's the crazy part. Like, how how was you, you know, outside the club? And now you just now hear about this shit when you run the club. That's why I was like, what? <laughs> like, I come Ooh, here every go. day. Like, not like not only do I like run the club, but like I talk. 
to you, your group, your boss, your everything. And you like, man, I want them people of color. And I'm over here like, hey, <laughs> I got all the color people. And you like. Not you making them sound like a bag of chips, like a particular flavor and shit. <laughs> like what? Uh, that, but that's what it feels like. Where it, But I don't. The thing is, I just don't think. I don't think. And that's like that could be a whole conversation. I don't think people really understand what it means to be a good communicator. People think because I can put a sentence together and you can understand what I'm saying in my dialect that I'm a good communicator. No, that just means you talk well. That's bro. There is so many things that go into being an effective communicator. You got to know when to bring it up and and you got to know like who is the most like not I almost said effective person, but who who is critical to knowing this information? You know what I mean? Like it shouldn't be like, oh, I'm tell you, and I'm a hope that you spread the word. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, like talk to who you need to talk to, even if it's a group of them. Like, knock all that shit out, make sure everybody's on the same page. And then you also have to be open to feedback. People just think, oh, it's just one-way street. No, bitch, it is two-way street. The fuck? Like that, oh, I, I get so mad. Cause then people be looking at each other crazy, like, oh, you did you didn't get what I was saying? No. No. Cause I didn't hear it from you, or you were trash <laughs> with the delivery. So now it's just like, what what the fuck are you trying to say again? Like, what's happening? Like right. that's, that's my favorite thing to ask. So, like, what's happening? <laughs> like, what is going on? The fuck? But yeah. I, I completely agree. Yes. We are not mind readers. No. In, in any level. I know we've been going through all the different levels and shit. Nobody is a mind reader. People are great assumers. They can make assumptions and shit and just do shit. But no, we shouldn't even have to do that. Just lay it all out, bro. Yeah. In a clean manner. Thank you. And thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Thanks. <laughs> hey. So my last nugget of advice, and then I'm going to give you a chance so you can start curating your advice in your head. My nugget of advice that I'm going to leave people who want to be an advocate or claim to be advocates or are currently trying to advocate for Black women in STEM um, and whatever your organization, whether you work in industry, you work in academia, you're a student, whatever it may be, is take up space. That's my that's my one piece. Take up space. And when you stand like strong and you make that a part of what you bring to the table, Mm -hmm. people will start including you in those conversations. You know, they'll start being like, oh, you want to work on this team or, oh, I heard this thing or whatever it may be. But Mm -hmm. even though sometimes it may weigh on you, just know you're making a difference for somebody else. You're making an easier journey, an easier path for the people behind you. And that's the major thing for me is I think of everything I struggled on my career as a student. And every time I do something, every move I make is literally to make it better for somebody else. I'll be watching you. <laughs> Go away. Uh, but no, I agree. Cause 
whenever I was having, you know, my trials and tribulations in whatever period of time, I was like, I, I would not want someone else to go through this. You know what I mean? Um, and it definitely may be more work for you in terms of like laying down that foundation and, you know, the yellow brick road and whatever the fuck, but it is going to pay off in the long run. I completely agree. Um, and I agree too. Like, don't be scared to take up space. These motherfuckers be taking up space all the time and they don't be saying shit. So you might as well take up some space and actually add value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not saying shit or saying wrong shit mm-hmm. um because I, I just we we had that conversation again this morning take up space even if it makes you uncomfortable or you're uncertain about how people may perceive you you're never gonna know until you do it and you need to practice you know Cause like I've been saying I like being in the house but if I know some shit need to get done and I need some shit to move forward I'm being that bitch. Anyway, um, my nugget of advice is just get get out of your own head. And I'm really saying that to myself as well. Um, being an advocate, it, it can be scary. You know what I mean? Like you may feel like you got the whole team on your back and shit. And sometimes you do. But you just got to, you know, maybe pull a back muscle here and there. And just push through it and understand that, you know, you're not doing this alone. Like there's definitely other advocates around you. You may not be aware. Um, but there's there's so many advocates all around us all the time trying to fight for the right thing, making sure that we're seen and heard and all that shit. So just take pride. And the fact that you're trying to become um, someone that you wish you would have had when you needed them. You know what I mean? That's all we can do. That's shit. I feel like I need a hug. (laughs) I need a hug too, shit. That's why I was hesitating. I'm like, damn, like this is some (laughs) profound shit during Black History Month. You feel me? Oh boy, this is only February, but but yeah, <laughs> you can, y'all got it. We will be okay, but you you just gotta take that first step, and you just keep on stepping, step step, two step. Hey, Jeff, but, but we that's made all it. I got. <laughs> Yay! I just wanted to explore the conversation. I feel like we had a good conversation. Just. Advocacy can look so many ways. And I think it's so hard when people don't see um, when people, I guess I don't want to say, when they kind of put it in a box. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say like, oh, you got to start a, a camp or you got to write grants or you got to have a scholarship. Like it's, it's people need all that stuff. Yeah, you ain't got to be out in front of the, you know, headquarters and shit like with the the picket line and everything. No, like you ain't got to go that crazy. But I do agree. Even if it's like, OK, you're you're not the one executing everything. It's definitely I know some people who are advocates, but they they know how to. Kind of manage up and move people around to still get things done even if they're not the the face of that you know 
that advocacy in front of people talking and speaking and making those decisions, they still know how to um, rely and kind of uh, uplift people's strengths when it comes to things like that. So, yeah, if you're like the connector. Yeah. Yeah, you can be I like may not, I may not give like speeches, that. but I'm the plug. Mm. I could tell you right. who to go talk to. Who, mm-hmm. What? Who? Who gonna be your ally? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I tend to do that more. I'll be like, and do do that. Now I'll whisper some shit, and then they, and they go do what they do. But yeah, now it's kind of like Kayla. Kayla already knows what the fuck she's doing. Just Kayla, you do. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely you know, a lot of different ways you can do it. I just want people to do something, you know, do something, something. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Mic do you drop. have any news before we get out this thing? Um, news, 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 news. I already talked about the the mentor group thing which is cool um i'm going to start studying for my cissp cert next week okay so i'm trying to because we we have paid training at work so gonna be in that from eight to five every day next week um and then i'm hoping to just take the exam like early march just to get out the way and be cool um Trying to think if there's any other news. No, no, I'm <laughs> I'm just yeah, no, I I just been trying to eat my greens, drink my water, get some sleep, and just oh, get through boy. these classes and work and all that stuff without having, you know, a gray hair show up on my chin. So they are in my hair. So yeah. any news from you um i was featured so our like how you said like leaders have uh blogs and stuff Mm -hmm. um at our company our uh, like a like our dni area has a podcast Mm, and i was featured on the podcast for black history month I don't know if I want to share the link because I'm like, I don't want y'all to know where I work and then y'all be writing letters, you know. (laughs) Not writing letters. She's racist. Listen to her podcast. No, Uh, no. We we still want to be employed, y'all. Hold on. Wait a minute. (laughs) Right. Um, But no, they told me today they uh, we had our one on one um, because I'm a chair of ERG, too. And the guy who interviewed me for the podcast said, you know, your podcast, your episode in one week has the most listens like our po- company podcast has ever had, like in the quickest period. I was like, oh, I guess I'm dead. <laughs> no, I may be good at this thing just a little bit. You know, like, you know, like we don't be trying to do this every week, you know, right. but nah, it's cool. <laughs> um, but no, it was a very interesting conversation. And for him to be a white guy that worked in DEI, um, he was pretty knowledgeable. Like, mm-hmm. it was shocked. Like, we had like a good conversation. Like, we kind of went into it with, like, we just going to see where this thing goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, he really like knew things. So it would, it's refreshing to have a conversation with people and you don't have to explain so much of a backstory to them, but more so oh if you questions for enlightening. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I love when I don't have to black explain something. Yes. My God, it's such a relief when it's just like, okay, just just interview me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't have to explain shit. I don't have to lay it down for you. Blah blah blah. So right. no, that's that's fantastic. Because he's he's like an older white guy. Um, mm-hmm. He it was over veteran affairs, um, but. You know, he, you know, they had the thing where it's like, oh, tell me about you. And I'm like, oh, I do like a lot of community service work with like my sorority, blah, blah, blah. So he's mm-hmm. like, my sorority. And I'm like, you know, okay. And he's like, oh, yeah, they were founded at HBCU. And I was like. Okay, where's your pearls at, boy? <laughs> I would have been like, okay, so who who was the founders? All right, let's I, get to it. <laughs> not about the haze, it's bad on the recording. <laughs> but like, no, even when I talked about like Dapset, like he knew what mm-hmm. Dapset was, and ooh, that ooh, baby, Northern Michigan, like mm-hmm. you know. So it was, it was a, it was a good conversation, and I think it threw, it made me. I don't want to say humble me because it really didn't. Um, but <laughs> okay, big head. <laughs> I I really don't have a big head, but no, it it was more shocking because we a lot of times when I talk to white people. I go into the assumption that they don't know because traditionally they don't care to know. So mm-hmm. it was very refreshing to have a conversation with somebody that not only knew, but they cared enough to actually kind of like do their own research. And you could tell he did his own research because mm-hmm. um, like he was like, oh yeah, they're fine at HBCU. And for those of you who do not know, HBCU is a historically, and I was like, Okay, you better enlighten them folks, period. Right. Like he didn't ask me, like, would you like to explain what Yeah, no, nah, he said, Hold on, bitch, I got this. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Period. No, no. It was good. I was able to highlight, like I said, our ERG and things that we did. And I kind of talked about my life and it was a good conversation. But I'm debating on posting it. Like I posted on like my Facebook because a lot of people don't go there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's your family and your friends and the people, you know, I barely be on that bitch myself. Okay. <laughs> no, but no, that's the only thing newsworthy um, that has happened to me recently. And I thought that was rather cool. Okay. Period. International baby. Right. Can we <laughs> close this thing out. You want to close it or you want me to close it? I can close it. Go ahead, girl. It's all you. I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> we'll see how i fuck this up but anyway thanks y'all for listening we hope that you have a fabulous black history month and the rest of the year because black history is every day period anyway um you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast apple music spotify the the other shit the soundcloud all that iheart all that shit and you can also email us at she2stem, that is two, as in T-O-O, at gmail.com if you would like to suggest topics to us or if you're just like, hey, girl, you know, we love that shit. And we're also on Instagram or on Facebook. Reach out to us. Elena be posting and posting. She'll be having all the news and shit there. And um, you be putting our photos there, too. Mainly you. Cause like you be out here, I just be 
in my bed. But anyway, you can find us there as well. Follow us, comment, subscribe, all the good stuff. And we will see y'all next time, baby. Okay, bye. Bye.